It was a moment in which I had to make a crucial choice, to live in fear or to live in courage. I had been practicing piano for all these years, and eventually the time had come whenever I had transitioned over to playing the pipe organ. And I had been practicing for a while, but my end goal was always to finally be an organist at Mass. And finally the opportunity arose that there was a vacation Bible school closing Mass, and they had offered it to me to play for the first time, and I accepted. And for a while, I was filled with eager anticipation. And yet eventually, as that week, and even in that week preceding that Mass, I started to become very fearful and to be filled with all sorts of anxiety. And then the, that evening came. Was I going to be consumed with fear, or was I going to go forward in courage? It's kind of an interesting question and an interesting thought, because if we look around at our day and age, we see the two things very much at play, because we see a world constantly consumed with fear, and yet there's always that need for courage. That we look around and we see a world that is so filled with chaos, with confusion, with anxiety, with everything that's going on, and yet there's that constant call for courage. Isn't that a Christian disciple who is called to courage? What are we called to do in the midst of this world? How are we supposed to be a people that are set apart and different, even when it comes to living out of fear, but rather moving away from fear and moving into courage? To begin to see that, I think we should start off with Jeremiah. Jeremiah is one of the major prophets of the Old Testament, and yet he's one that's kind of set apart on his own. Isaiah and all of Elijah, Ezekiel, and then even Moses himself, like all of these different prophets that are there, they often had a very convicting message, and yet so often they were accepted. That even though people might not like to hear the message necessarily, they still listened to them or at least let them have their peace. But it wasn't so with Jeremiah. He wasn't so fortunate or so lucky. Because, in fact, he went into a people that were largely unaccepting of the message, even from the get-go. And what's worse, as he continued to preach, they started to look for opportunities to get rid of him because he was so tiresome to them. That they started to look around and they said, terror on every side, let us denounce him. All the things that we heard in the reading, they were constantly barraging him with. But it wasn't enough for them to say it behind his back. But in fact, they were saying it in front of him. They were brazen enough that they didn't care if he knew, that they wanted him to be disheartened. They wanted him to be filled with fear and anxiety. And so Jeremiah heard all of these things being spoken in front of his face. But what does he do? He doesn't let them consume him necessarily, but instead he meditates on them, he hears them, but then he turns to the Lord. Because he knows in the Lord there is victory. That he is the one who has that strong arm. He is the one that is able to lend victory to those who call upon him. That he's the one that has might and he has all sorts of strength and power. And so he, as the prayer goes on, he starts to acknowledge the Lord in his presence. And then he turns to him that he asks for that help that he needs. And even at the very end, he resigns himself. Because he knows that if he has committed his cause and entrusted his cause to the Lord, he shall see victory. And indeed, that's a beautiful thing to witness. Because Jeremiah, as much as he could have been consumed by fear and by anxiety, he was not. But instead entrusted all of these things over to the Lord. And he knew because he had entrusted them to him, he would not be disappointed. We move on to St. Paul in his letter to the Romans. And here we are seeing the interplay between death and life. The old Adam and the new Adam. 
that in fact, as we see that he's speaking to the Romans, he wants to tie the Old and the New Testament together. He starts off with the Old Testament telling how through one man sin entered into the world, that through Adam that one sin was there, and it prevails through every generation. And yet, as that sin is there, also death. And that death was there for everyone. Not even those who did not sin could not escape it. But it was there, and it was there from Adam, it was there through Moses, and it was there through the entirety of the Old Testament. But that's where things change. Because whenever Jesus comes, we see that sort of that problem, that sin, that ultimate tribulation that was there, and yet that, that as a, much of a travesty as that was, Jesus is coming forward and he gives that gift in the face of what had went wrong. That he himself, he came and taught, he came and preached, he, did, he performed all sorts of healings, but that wasn't enough. Because in fact he offers a gift that overwhelms and completely overcomes that death, and that gift is his body and his blood. That in fact he gives life, and so he gives life for the many. So though that sin entered through one for the many, through the old Adam, the new Adam gives life. For many through one person and indeed though that tribulation and though that was there though that sin was there and it remained whenever Jesus came he overwhelms it with his gift and in fact he completely puts it to the side and then finally we arrive at the gospel Jesus begins speaking and the first three words we hear are fear no one Jesus is very aware that he's speaking to his disciples, that the disciples are always constantly worried about the scribes, about the Pharisees, about the crowds, about all sorts of different things. Now Jesus comes to them in the midst of that and says, fear no one. That in fact, Jesus knows that there's plenty that is going to cause their hearts anxiety. He knows that they're going to be afraid. He knows that there's all sorts of things that are going to cause them concern, and so much so it might even blind them to the reality of God's presence and God's care for them. And so he's telling them this, but he starts to use this vivid imagery as well, because he notes that two sparrows are sold for one small coin, yet if one of those birds falls to the ground, the Father still knows about it. That as worthless or even as small or insignificant as those birds might seem, he still notices even that small detail in all of creation. But what's more, Jesus follows up. You're worth more than many sparrows. That in fact, he wants to remind us that as much care as that sparrow gets, we get so much more because we are the pinnacle of creation. That in fact, even the number of hairs on our head are counted. This God is so near us that he cares about the most trivial, the most insignificant, the most mundane or small of details about each and every one of us, that he cares enough to know even that detail because he just cares that much, that he is so connected with each of us. That's a fact that even we can't know, that we can't count all of the hairs on our head, and yet the Lord himself makes it his business to know that very fact. But he continues onward and he tells about all of these different things that might happen in the darkness. How bad things might happen to good people. How in fact it might feel as if they're never going to see justice for those who are the victims or those to whom these things happen. And yet he reminds them, there's nothing in darkness that will not be brought to light. That he wants them to be reassured even of that. Or even if they struggle with scrupulosity, that they recognize their sinfulness, that he wants them to realize that if they acknowledge Jesus Christ 
then he will acknowledge them before God, his Heavenly Father. That, in fact, if they try to live well, if they try to do their best, that, in fact, they can see the kingdom of heaven. He doesn't want them to worry, but it's about the denial. That's what he wants them to worry about. But rather, he doesn't want them to fear even sin itself, but he wants them to receive that reconciliation. Know that if they acknowledge him as Lord, if they acknowledge his forgiveness and his mercy, then, in fact, they can even see that forgiveness and that salvation that they desire. But let's revisit that question. In a world filled with fear, are we a people that are going to live consumed by fear, or are we going to live courageously? I don't think it's too hard for us to discover so many different fears and things that cause us anxiety. We don't have to look very far or very long at all. Perhaps we look on a global scale. We start to look at all of the nations and all of the different disasters that happen and maybe even the conflict and the unrest that we see. And that causes us to worry. Or maybe we haven't even gotten that far. We can't focus quite that far out. Maybe we're just looking at our nation. We see division. We see strife. We see all of these different things that go wrong. And we worry about the life of our country. And so we start to be filled with anxiety about that. Or maybe we can't even look that far. Maybe we're consumed on such an individual level. Maybe we're not able to look that far because there's so many different things that have our own personal attention, that there are relationships that are going on. There are all sorts of things going on at work. Maybe there's all sorts of things that are in our future, and we're so uncertain about all of these things that we can't even dare to look towards the nation or let alone the world, that we're so consumed with fear, with anxiety, with crippling worry about all of these things. What are we to do? Well, we have to realize that whenever the Lord is speaking to us, He knows our hearts very well. That He knows that it's going to be quite easy for us to be consumed with fear, with anxiety, and with worry. And that's why we have the readings and the gospel that we do today. Because Jesus speaks very clearly into His disciples' lives. And he wants to speak to you and I today. That no matter where we are, no matter what is going on in your life, that the Lord Himself is looking upon you. He's aware of what's going on. He's made it his business to even know the most mundane or the most inconsequential of things about you. He knows the number of hairs on your head right here and right now. So he already knows what causes you fear. He knows what causes you anxiety. But the thing is, whenever we become, become so consumed with fear and anxiety, what happens to us? Well, so often we start to be overwhelmed. We start to be captivated by these things and even ensnared and enslaved because we're so worried about all of these different things and how we're going to control them. We're going to try to put them to the side. But in fact, we know at the end of the day, we're powerless in the face of so many things that oftentimes it becomes too much. Perhaps we despair. Perhaps we feel like the Lord isn't looking upon us at all, or maybe the Lord isn't really favoring us at this time. And so we start to put the Lord off. We start to become disheartened. We start to become depressed or saddened. We start to become distressed because we feel that the Lord isn't paying attention any longer. And so that's one of the things that can happen. That in fact, we become discouraged. We become convinced that the Lord isn't even watching over us. But is that even true? 
Or we can start to distract ourselves. We can start to look around for those things that pacify us in the short term, that don't really fix the problem, but in fact make it worse because we're so consumed and we're not actually addressing the root of the problem. That There are so many things that call our names, and we don't really have to list them out because there are so many. But in fact, we start to distract ourselves with no matter what is before our face, that we can't even concern ourselves with our problems because we're just so afraid. And so we become so ensnared and so enslaved that we just can't look out any longer. We start to look at the short term. We start to look at ourselves. We start to look at other things that don't really matter in this life. And so we don't really focus on what should have our attention. But is that what the Lord wants? Does he want us to live lives as if we're numb, that we can't care about anything? Does he want us to live lives that we're so consumed and so concerned that we're just starting to despair, that we just don't know where to go, that we start to lose and we start to really become numb to everything? Or does he want us to be so distracted that we can't even pay attention, that we can't look around at others and we can't give our full and undivided attention even to our Lord and God for just a few moments? Maybe we're angry, maybe we're hurt, maybe we're sad, maybe we're all of these things, or some variation of them. Is that what the Lord wants? Are we designed to live in fear or live in courage? My brothers and sisters, it's very clear by the readings in the gospel today, the Lord has designed us to live courageously, that he is not unaware that there are things that will happen to us, but he doesn't want them to consume us. That if we look back at Jeremiah, we see the way that he lives. And he, the Lord himself is very aware that Jeremiah is going to have a very difficult time. That he's going to be speaking to people that do not want to hear his message. That are so often throwing it back in his face and saying, thank you so much, go away. That in fact, he's very aware that Jeremiah is going to wish that he didn't have the vocation in life that he had. And he's very aware of everything that afflicts him. But the Lord doesn't leave him there. Because notice that line in the reading. Jeremiah is very aware of this one simple fact, and it gives him peace and it gives him security. God is with me. Then, in fact, if we believe that, if we really and truly hear that message, then nothing in this world should distract us, should disturb us, should cause us fear, anxiety, sadness, or distress, or anything else. Because if we know that the Lord God is with us, and he pays attention to even the smallest detail of our life, then in fact, we're going to be filled with hope. And what's more, we'll be filled with joy because we have a God that cares so much. And that really is where Jeremiah finds his peace, that he recognizes that the Lord is there and that the Lord will grant him victory and vengeance in due time, that no matter what has happened, that the Lord is there always and that God will always be with him and will grant him success, even in the long term, though the short term might appear bleak. Or even in Jesus' own time, as he's speaking to the disciples, he's making them aware that the Lord God is not impersonal, but he's very personally invested in each and every one of our hearts and our souls, our success, our salvation, our joy, our happiness. He wants us to have that, even though at times things can get in the way of that. He doesn't want them to get in the way forever, but he wants us to surrender those things and truly lean upon him so that we can receive that grace that we need. Because, my brothers and sisters, it's so easy to be consumed by fear. It's so easy to live anxiously. I don't think it's any mistake that we find ourselves in a generation that struggles in faith and is also at the same time struggling with so much anxiety that it seems like the pandemic that happened so long ago, it wasn't just a pandemic on a medical field. It was a pandemic of fear. And how much are we captivated and how much are we ensnared and enslaved by that fear? 
Rather, what we're called to do is we're called to live in the freedom as sons and daughters of God. We're called to live courageously. We're called to trust in the Lord our God so that no matter what happens, no matter what is thrown our way, no matter how many injustices happen, we know that God's got it all well in hand. If we trust that, even in the short term, even when things look bleak or look impossible, we know that in due time we will be rewarded for our faith. We have to be willing to continue to push through. We can't give up. We can't throw in the towel. We can't become numb and despondent to our Lord. But rather, we have to continue to encourage one another, to encourage ourselves, and to trust in the Lord our God. Because if we do that, I dare say, my brothers and sisters, we will live courageously. Because back so long ago, whenever I had that first Mass that I was going to play the organ at, I had that choice. I could have lived in fear. I could have pulled the usual organist and said, I can't do it, and she would have played right away. No problem, no questions asked but I would have felt so terrible, and I really wouldn't have lived out what I was longing for and what I had hoped for. Rather, I chose to live courageously, and I played the organ the first time that night. It wasn't easy, it wasn't perfect, but at the end of the day, because I was choosing to live courageously in that moment, I was able to feel that joy and that fulfillment that I had longed for for so long, even though it wasn't easy at the time. But the question for each of us to consider today, what has our hearts right now? What might be causing us fear? What might be causing us anxiety? What might be causing us to despair in this life? Because Jesus doesn't want those things to hold over us. But if we turn to him in prayer, if we ask him specifically for peace and security, even in the midst of these things, no matter what's on our hearts, no matter what's on our souls, no matter what has happened to us in the past, or what may happen to us in the future, if we truly rely upon the Lord our God, if we trust in Jesus Christ and what he says that our God cares for us so much, if we trust that, then we will truly be able to live life courageously and joyfully and filled with freedom as sons and daughters of God. We're reminded that God is with us. We're told by Jesus, fear no one. My brothers and sisters, let's not choose to live in fear any longer, but let's be Christian disciples who are filled with the courage and fortitude and knowledge and trust of God so that nothing may bother us or get in the way of our relationship with our Lord and with our God.